I have, I have grand, I have grand plans. Yeah, this this weekend I mowed the lawn. I guess. All right, everybody, welcome to another edition of Black Hills Information Security, talking about news. I'm here with just Noah and Ralph today, so that's it. And Ryan, as always. I'm trying to figure out if you, I'm trying to figure out if it's like, I'm here for just Noah and <laughs> Ralph, Noah. or if it's just Noah and Ralph. Commas matter, commas matter. Commas although, Noah matter. Does, although Noah does have a fan club. Uh, Sean said that he's here specifically for Noah. Well, today wow. we're going to be talking about Accenture, which is fun because I used to work there. We're going to be talking about authentication bypass on millions of routers. I thought it was on all of them, actually. Microsoft is moving to, um, uh, what is it? They're calling it their Office Windows 365, whatever thing that they're coming out, which is yet another set of targets for us to go after. We've got Discord malware. We've got the breach with, um, I just lost it. We're, oh, I lost the plot. No, T-Mobile breach. There's just so much going there's on stuff. in the industry. And there's very little other than Accenture dealing with ransomware. Even though ransomware is still burning everything to a crisp um, everywhere, there's a lot of stories today that don't involve ransomware. But the first story I want to talk about is a shout out to uh, Malware Jake. Um, last week tonight with John oh. Oliver had a presentation on ransomware. And I haven't seen the whole thing. Um, have you guys seen the whole thing yet? I haven't. Now I'm probably gonna watch it tonight. <laughs> let's let's just since none of us have seen it, let's just speculate that it was probably awesome. Since John Oliver's stuff does really really well, the thing that I love is in there. There's a tweet from Jake Williams, malware Jake, on Twitter, where he basically says it's really unfortunate that ransomware has better customer service than my ISP, and uh, we were kind of kind of laughing about that before the, because it's true. And I think that that's really sad. There's a ton of people that I've worked with over the past 18 to 24 months that have gone through ransomware and actually paid it. And they're like, wow, the ransomware customer service was really fantastic. And I want to ask, is it really fantastic or is it just that our ISP customer service is so hideous that, you know, it's kind of like Stockholm syndrome. As soon as somebody's remotely nice to us, we're like, my God, you picked up the phone. I didn't have to listen to the call tree or press two. It's definitely that one. Your call is very important to us here at Insert yeah. Cell Phone Company Name. <laughs> Insert Company Name. I haven't fixed it yet. Um, I mean, I, they're, they, they have no uh, reason to be uh, super useful to you, right? So um, at, the, uh, at the big companies, right? But, you know, at the ransomware, they're like, oh, well, they, we can get paid today. So this is important to us. So I, be, I better be helping you out. So yeah, you're at the same that, point. You're right, saying that the at the same should... point here. Like, it's not like they're worried about trying to get you to come back, though. So why are they quite so nice? It's not like, like, come back, come back again, guys. I mean, it's like, not like trying to leave them a five-star review on Yelp, right? <laughs> like, yeah. You know, if you have to get hacked by just one ransomware group this year, choose Revil. They have amazing customer support. <laughs> Would recommend. Looking forward to getting hacked again. What the hell? I don't know. I just, it's... I mean, so obviously it's better. Maybe our customer service places are just horrible. I don't know. What does that say about our own, you know, companies' cultures, you know? Well, and, and but I think that Dale hit it too, and you guys have kind of been touching on it as well, where 
basically they're making money off of their customer support calls. Whereas if yeah. you are calling an ISP, that's a cost center. And we actually did a pen test a long time ago for one of those companies that create those call trees things. They have the call centers and everything. And uh, they actually had a package where they could make it as annoying as possible for a human being to stay on the line. And uh, they basically were there to try to get people off of the customer support lines. That was literally something they worked at, like the music, the tone, the, 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 the sound of the person's voice on the recording. It was all designed to just make people want to hang up in frustration. Like somebody's making a living doing that. That just blows my mind. Ah, amazing. Uh, amazing. So I got to watch on John Oliver. It's like it's one of my uh, favorite shows. It could be a bummer sometimes, but it's, it's he's pretty funny. Yeah, I, pretty much. If you if you watch John Oliver long enough last week tonight, you realize that everything sucks everywhere. And yeah. we're all hosed. It's like tonight we're going to be talking about shoelaces. Do you know if you're in a gas station in South Central Los Angeles and they're selling shoelaces, it is a heroin infested crime spree. And let's talk about where shoelaces are made. And do you know how many famous people have hung themselves and killed themselves with shoelaces trying to do autoerotic asphyxiation? You're like, oh God, I wear sandals. I wear sandals. Next week, Birkenstocks. What? Damn it. <laughs> Meanwhile, if you don't want to listen to that show and feel that way, you can just watch this show and you'll kind of get the same effect. <laughs> about the IT security industry. Just Why about it? IT, though. Just about IT. We, we just focus on one section. He goes all over the place. He goes right? all over the place. Why are you guys yeah. so happy about security and everything burning down? Because we get paid. It's just not a, not a good way to live. Speaking of oh, getting paid. Beautiful. I used to work at Accenture setting up this news story. This next that's one. where you used to get paid. That, yeah, that's, that's actually right. where I got my, my start in IT security. Whenever I got out of college, I had a choice of working at Accenture or Enterprise Rental Car, washing cars <sighs> in a suit and tie. So I you chose. Missed your shot. I missed my shot. I missed my <laughs> shot. But I worked there for a long, long, long time. And uh, it was kind of funny. Working at Accenture, I got a little bit of an idea of how their business model used to. Now, mind you, most of this is like, you know, over 18, 19 years ago. But the thing I find interesting about this is Accenture's response to it was just basically, oh, there it is. It, the, their update number one, Accenture responded to this incident. Through our security controls and protocols, we identified a regular activity in one of our environments. We immediately contained the matter, isolated the effective servers. We fully restored our effective network from systems backup. There was no impact on Accenture's operations or our client systems. But apparently the ransomware group has a whole bunch of customer data. And I've heard if you reach out to Accenture and you basically say, hey, can we get a, get, a, get a quote for this? They basically respond back again with, all of our systems have been restored. We had backups, didn't impact our systems. Everything's fine. But what about the customer <laughs> data that's going to be exposed? Our servers are up and running. It's like, let's <laughs> not talk about the fact that there's a whole bunch of customer data that was exposed. This well, is not a servers back up so they could expose more data later. Yeah, that's right. The attackers Availability. are Availability. Yeah, it's good so thing they're, they're not even offering identity protection for this one. No. They're just not even not even acknowledging it at all. Well, that's all right. I already have identity protection from like 15 <laughs> other vendors. It's fine. Yeah, we don't need that anymore. I still think that all the <laughs> hacking conspiracy theory by LifeLock. Um, they're like the yeah. more people get hacked, the more they buy our services. But a couple of things about this, and mind you, my, my, my background information is two decades old. 
more than likely, there's not a lot of sensitive data on the Accenture networks. I said more than likely. And the reason why is the way Accenture works is they go and they work in customer networks on their stuff there. So you might get proposals, you may be able to get some customer data, but anything that's really sensitive is usually on the customer network. Like the Accenture core network is just this wild, wild west patchwork of nightmarish stuff because no one's really responsible for it. The only thing that would be a problem is if they got Accenture securities customer data. That would be like pen test reports, architecture documents, password files. That could be bad, but there's nothing I'm seeing about this right now that leads me to believe that. So I think that they do have data with customer information in it, but the vast majority of data whenever you're working with Accenture stays on the customer network. They come to your network, they work there. And the final thing is, as much as I like to make light of it, this is every consulting firm's worst nightmare. To get into a situation where you're hacked and there's customer data that's leaked, as much as we joke about it, it could happen to almost anyone. And it's freaking terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. They said six terabytes of data. So, I mean, that's a bit. Um, they also had like this little countdown where they were like, oh, until we publish the data. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so uh, it's supposedly out there, um, you know. Uh, yeah, you just know that it's going to be like they're, they're going to dump the six terabytes and someone's going to go find my records from Accenture. And they're going to be like, this guy got an eval rating of needs improvement. That's like the <laughs> lowest possible rating one can get. Getting out in front of it. My first performance uh, review at Accenture was bad. Really, really <laughs> incredibly bad. Um, John so actually said he was going to go back to Enterprise, actually. <laughs> yeah, right? So we found this Lotus Notes Domino's database. It's crazy. Oh, that's how you know you've made it when it's Lotus Notes. <laughs> you still run those things. All right. What, what story do you have, Ralph? Do you have one that you, that you like? You're especially shining to? Oh, we could talk about T-Mobile got breached. I mean, that's yeah, always that's fun, fun. right? Fine. So I, I actually have T-Mobile, so now it's just, you know, kind of a joke and joke's on me. But um, I guess uh, supposedly on the dark web, there's somebody selling over 100 million uh, records that came from T-Mobile servers, right? Uh, T-Mobile hasn't missed. Yeah. I love the quote, though. It's like, what data do you have from T-Mobile? And they said, T-Mobile USA, full customer info. <laughs> we dumped it all, right? Yeah. Uh, supposedly, social security numbers, phone numbers, stuff like that. Some uh, IMEI numbers, which is actually your cell phone's unique identifier, driver's license, some other stuff. T-Mobile has replied and said that the they haven't confirmed whether this data is there, that, it, that there's not necessarily, uh, what do you call it? Uh, they're not validated. sure if there was a breach. Yeah, they haven't validated it yet. Well, so they're kind of going back there. They're aware. They're aware of the claims that there that there is underground forms. They'll let you know if any more data comes out. I think this is like it, now. So just for context, this isn't the first time T-Mobile's got breached. I think we're on like number four, right? Assuming that this is actually true and blah blah blah. So yeah, I mean, I think they like it. It's maybe just part of their process. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you know, you know, you got to be suspicious after about the third or fourth breach. That somewhere in the press release, the company says, by the way, my safe word is avocado. It's like, <laughs> wait a minute now. That's, that's weird. Uh, that's a, that's uh, a there, should be a, there should be a T-Mobile canary, uh, you know, and it just. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's like Dumb and Dumber. It's dead in the bottom of the cage with its head back on. <laughs> Pretty bird. Pretty bird. You killed Petey? I'm sure my information's in there. Um, hopefully yours is not. 
Yeah, but I've anyways, never been yeah, with so they, they got breached. But I'm sure that yeah. my data is only, censure data breach. Yeah. No. There's only f- like three carriers left anyways. So, um, you know, it's just a matter of time before yours so gets hit too. Whenever they all get down, is it like Highlander? Is there can be only one and then it just doesn't Yeah, there can only be one Highlander. It's like you cannot yeah. hurt me. I can be breached as many times <laughs> as possible. But, but this, gets to be, this gets to be depressing after so many breaches. Um, and the fact that you have to go, well, they haven't confirmed that it's the actual data breach because there's been other data breaches and the attacker may have just gotten confused. But like, I'm sorry, I thought I breached T-Mobile. It turns out it was, uh, it was, experience. It was old breach data. My bad. Uh, I found we're on an S3 bucket. Honestly, anybody could have made that mistake. So The bucket was called T-Mobile. That's how I knew. That's yeah. how I knew. <laughs> And I like the cost. They're charging six Bitcoin or $270,000 associated. Mm, for the subset of data. Yeah. Nah, well, hopefully it really wasn't breached, but I would err on the side of saying they were breached. So are you going to be pretty comfortable? Just out of curiosity, Ralph, whenever you get another year of free credit monitoring? <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually... I, I guess I don't really care. I, I did that like three years ago. I put a credit freeze on all the credit bureaus. I just actually went and did it. So hopefully that's enough. I don't know. We'll see. It's the best you can do. So no more credit monitoring. But I'll be excited when I get it. They need like a marketplace where you can just say like, all right, I have a year of credit monitoring from, I don't know, True Identity. <laughs> like I'll trade for a year from LifeLock. So you can get like multiple layers of threat protect like identity. Just trade them back and forth like baseball cards. It'd be great. If you guys didn't know, Windows. There's a new Windows version coming out. Woo-hoo! Before the uh, sh- before the show got started, I was telling John that I had made some uh, versions of or m- new images of all the Windows versions. He was like, "Did you make 3.1?" I was like, "No, I don't think we need that one. All the ones, um, that <laughs> all the ones that matter." But, We're not uh, testing airlines. It's fine. Just a little back story on this. This is slightly unrelated to security, but we'll get into the security piece. So. Windows, right? So Microsoft Windows like 10, for example, is the currently the latest version. And my, and Windows 10, there's no like licensing for Windows 10 in the cloud. Okay. Um, so, you know, Microsoft's kind of been like, oh, well, you license to have it on your workstation, but you can't have it in a VM in the cloud. Right. And um, the only licensing for that has been on servers. So now Microsoft has released this thing called Windows 365. And what that is, is Pause for surprise here. Windows 10 in a VM in Azure's cloud, right? And that's the only right. authorized way to license Windows in the cloud. Um, it's Windows 10 right now, and it'll move to Windows 11. I actually got the opportunity and pleasure of testing this on Azure, and it was about as underwhelming as you would imagine a oh, virtual machine on. is in the cloud <laughs> that's really disappointing because i want to get away from running windows in any like like on any bare metal at home and i would just like to run pop os and just basically um just so out in and here here's here here's the kick right the kick is is that this is only as fast as the system that's running on right so these are you know virtual machines in a server and so you can pay for the higher tiered ones, more RAM or whatever. But one of the other issues is that I thought when I got into it, this is what I was hoping that there would be like some custom browser based interface. No, it's just RDP. Okay. So it's RDP in the browser. So yeah. I, I was under underwhelmed with the performance, but how does this affect us in security? Well, 
as John put, when we start moving windows to you know, the cloud, as opposed to, you know, I can run whatever I want on my system. And then for work, I have this little browser based Windows 10 image. You know, how do compromises now happen and how do you know, how do we exploit that environment? And, you know, what happens when you're you do that? Right. You're kind of like on an always on machine that you don't have to worry about cutting off now. So um, there's some interesting security ramifications. And then obviously well, the fact that. Well, I think our uh, persistence uh, mechanisms are going to be changing, right? Like, like oh, yeah. if this thing goes away when it's not being used, we're going to want that back. So like, you know, attacks like ruler and office and manifest XML, anything that can cause it to queue back up. I think that's going to be a big deal now. Yeah. It, it's, I don't know. It's, it's more of a product to, compete with the other VDI solutions that are out there that are actually pretty popular as well, like Horizons, VMware's Horizons, um, amongst others, uh, Citrix. Being, Amazon Workstation, uh, all that yeah, stuff. Amazon Workstation, yeah, exactly. But this is more of like, hey, we're Microsoft, so we made it perfect, right? But it's, um, not, it's not perfect. It's just kind of mad. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> but even if you did want to go and run and get this Windows 365 right now, you can't because they've paused signups for it due to significant demand. <laughs> so apparently it's not as scalable as they thought that link is by the way in the chat oh I, could just, I could just see this like you know microsoft has a bunch of people sign up for they're like holy crap people are signing up for something that we provide it's like wait is it office no huh yeah. well that's weird like how oh. do you like microsoft it, it, can you not scale this i mean isn't that literally your cloud business like, <laughs> like, this i was i was very surprised because i'm like how can you not scale it like obviously the whole point would be like, we can just spin up machines on demand. So how is it that you're like, ne never mind, this doesn't work now. Yeah, we, we, can't, we have to pause it. So here's my guess, right? So they're just Azure virtual machines, right? The only downside to this, though, is that there's like the graphics part of it is like the thing that's like lacking. It's no more, you know, it, it seems a little sluggish. So maybe there's only certain machines that have the graphics that they need. I know they're not using dedicated graphics cards in these instances, stuff like that. But I don't know. That is weird, though. They're like, ah, you know what? We ran out of servers. We thought we could handle this, but we were wrong. We have to string a few more together from underneath the couch at Steve Ballmer's place. We want those back, Steve. <laughs> um, those are called loan. We need those back, please. Yeah. No, no, guys, we solved the problem. We just set up a whole bunch of servers in Amazon AWS, and now we can scale yes, appropriately. Yes, yes, uh, so, oh, We have some Terraform scripts that just spin it up as we need it. Oh, I, I honestly felt like that's what they were doing in the background, but, you know, we'll see. I would, so Ben was talking about a really quick ramp up has defeated many cloud providers. I, I, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Also with like video games and things like that, by the way, Ben totally did fix his typo. So if you're reading this and you're like, <laughs> Ben's an illiterate, um, no, 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 he did. He caught it very quickly. He fixed it. But think about video game releases. Like how often has there been like a video game release or something like that? where it just blows up and it crushes everything and there's bad press. So it could be if Microsoft did this and I can see them being smart enough doing this, they just did a limited rollout and they're slowly scaling it up bit by bit. So they don't have that type of bad press. So we'll see. Sure. But I, I was excited about it because I want to run Linux as my dedicated host system and do any reporting or word doc stuff in the cloud is kind of what I wanted to do. I want the cloud for everything. Yeah. Give me the cloud. And then they give you a Chromebook and you're like, what the hell is this piece of crap? It's like, that's all you need. What? It's like, oh, this no. Is like, my, my cell phone has got like four times the computing power of this darn thing. <laughs> dude. What the hell? Uh, 
give it to your kids and even your kids look at you like what is this shit like what i can't play like, video games this thing's a piece man it's like giving an avocado to a dog it's like what is this so. <laughs> wrong person yeah uh, anyways so it's here but what else we got to talk about oh you guys want to talk about those home routers that suck yeah all of them did you know okay. yeah this is news flash i thought we talked about yeah. news on this show i know i know sometimes we have to just talk about what everyone knows about again because news all right so for everyone who don't doesn't know that home routers suck they do absolutely but um more importantly there are hackers exploiting such sucky home routers for personal gain and profit and there is supposedly an authentication bypass bug on millions of routers. And this really just boils down to millions. most likely millions. Millions. Go down to the uh, most like, down there. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's Buffalo, Telmax, Verizon. Oh, lucky you. Fios. That's an old one. Um, yeah. Asus. So really what this comes down to is hardware manufacturers have made these wireless routers uh for both you know consumers and for residential isps and they're inexpensive they're cheap and after a couple of years they just stop updating them right security updates fall off the bottom but they stay connected to the internet because they still work hence what we're in right and eventually all of these uh you know vulnerabilities they catch up and you know it were one showdown scan away from you know compromising tons and tons of systems and then what you can do with that so botnets ddos you know, well, attacking. Yeah. And it, it, it's also interesting because whenever you take over someone's edge router, you haven't just taken over that edge router. You've taken over the devices on the other side of that edge router because you can go in and mm -hmm. reconfigure the DNS settings, have them use your server for a DNS server, and then you're just basically in, in the middle and you can start dropping malware as you <laughs> see fit. But, you know, we've been, you know, in this industry, we've been dealing with home routers forever. I mean, it, 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 this isn't anything that's terribly new. I know I've had a couple of people that started freaking out. Maybe I'm just really old, but uh, we actually did a presentation, uh, Paul Isidorian, Larry Pesci, and myself years ago, back in like 2007, where we basically were like how we would take over the world. And step one was scan <laughs> the entire internet, try to find Soho like home routers and just basically log into them. And we did some scans in an Eastern European country, and I think in Kuwait uh, with Nessus, because Paul was working at Tenable at the time, and they were happy to pay for the bandwidth, and we were scanning entire countries. And we were able to identify just like tens of thousands of these devices that had some type of vulnerability that was remotely exploitable. So it's neat that it makes it into the news, but I still think nothing's ever going to be done about this. This is going to be one of those forever days that is going to be out there till the end of time. Yeah, these, these cheap home routers, they just, you know, they don't have the security updates and the patches that, you know, you would hope. And they're still connected because they still work. And grandma, grandpa, whoever still has them. And um, they're going to be there for a long time, right? And there's probably routers out there right now that don't have a vulnerability. One will be discovered in the coming years. And it'll still be connected many years after that, right? So like you said, it's a forever vuln. You know, they're just... Well so, so IoT is difficult to secure. Let's just put it that way, because think about it this way. Let's take a step back, right? We're talking about a wireless router. This gets us onto the internet or whatever, you know, wire or router, some kind of, you know, bridge device for our, our network. 
getting us onto the internet. But let's take that one more step back. Think refrigerators or any other thing that, you know, you would never upgrade firmware to, right? That's even going to be in a worse scenario. So it, it keeps getting worse. It, you know, it goes beyond just routers. Well, and it's, sometimes you don't necessarily have a choice on these edge devices because your ISPs are going to be like, nope, we only support this. I had a uh, dial-up provider what? that, yeah, I know, right? Hard to believe, but wait, wait. I had a dial-up provider that would- Were you born uh, then? I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, yes, I, I do have some experience with dial-up. It's limited, but I have yeah. some experience with it. Um, but when they switched over to using DSL, they provided me with this modem. It was terrible. Oh. But yeah, there was all sorts of bad stuff going on with it. Basically, what it summed up to, I didn't have to pay my internet bill for like a year because I just kept sending them emails saying, hey, I found this security issue. You need to fix it. And uh, they just they said, oh, that. here's a credit. Here's a credit. Yeah, no, they hated it, but they kept they giving me a credit for it. I didn't have to pay forever. Um, it was fantastic. But yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff. And then there's protocols that make management of these devices like just built right into them. You have like TR-069 for remote administration of these edge devices by the ISPs, but they're usually not implemented super securely anyhow. So uh-huh. yeah. There was a period of time when I thought my threat model was like, oh, I'm going to hide from the governments and everything else. And I started looking into like TR069. And uh, the answer is like, no, if you just make sure you use VPNs, if that's what <laughs> well, your goal is, because like, you're not going to do it. And then even then VPNs, like it gets it. That's a whole rabbit but, hole. But but you do. OK, so one of the things, you know, you talk about nation states, right? One of the things we learned with the vault breach and the NSA breach is the United States government is incredibly interested in exploits for these particular devices. And it makes sense, right? If you, I think it was the shadow brokers one that had a whole bunch of exploits for various like home routers. And it makes sense from a nation state perspective, because if you're going after a lot of networks, like especially if you're going after terrorists or things like that, it's not like they're going to have, you know, full in Palo Alto devices at the edge of their networks. It's going to be some crap router that they can buy. So there are nation states that are absolutely interested in this stuff. And, and that's one small thing that concerns me, because if we know from the NSA breach with shadow brokers, that they were collecting them, you can damn well be certain that the Chinese, oh, wait, no, the Chinese wouldn't do that because they put the back door directly in the firmware in the factory. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like when I was looking at the threat vector of, of like TR-069, and, and there's a uh, DEF CON talk on this, actually, but it's, it's implemented so poorly you don't even need exploits half the time for these things because you can just wander in there and like change where the like PPP tunnels go and send them to your PPT server and you're good to go. You can reroute, like I said, the DNS. I mean, but if you can route all the traffic through your aggregation, then why not? No, that's true. And then the final question I want to put out, we as a security industry, Ralph, you were talking about IOT and you know, all this stuff is just a train wreck. Has the security community pretty much given up on home users? I mean, I, I used to say that all the time, and I'd have people that would argue with me and say I'm being, you know, too cynical. But it really does seem like, you know, whenever we see these things in the industry, we're like, meh, yeah, we know that that sucks. Good luck. There, there is a very small amount of uh, security that's been aimed at those less technical end users. Like, if you want security on your home networks, you you have to really go do it yourself to an extent. That's why I like companies like Firewalla. I mean, they just made it super slick and easy to set up. I mean, it's not the world's best firewall, but it it's better than nothing. Even sets up a little VPN server for you and stuff. But 
yeah, there's not a lot of that. That's really the only company that comes to mind when I think of like, oh, yeah, we make home security easy for you um, and not something that you have to like go hunt down or not something that we're going to sell you a bunch of ads on. I mean, how many ISPs do we see on TV right now that are saying like, oh, well, you can get X secure or whatever they call it. <laughs> and it, 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 it like and literally the only thing it says, like, we protect you from the hackers. And you're the like, hackers. I have no clue what you're doing. I hate that. Like you talk about Norton, like if you listen to any like radio talk show host, which you shouldn't do. I, I do that because right. I hate myself. Like I, I don't know if anybody that's like listening, any, I, I jump between like ultra conservative and ultra liberal like radio shows all the time, which probably explains a lot about what's going on <laughs> in my head. Going crazy. But I, I hate it. Like there's all of these different radio talk show hosts are like, you know what I use to protect myself at home? I use Norton's VPN. I'm like, a VPN doesn't do a damn thing to protect you. But, right. you know, whatever, you know, might as well uh, be selling tech support from Microsoft at that point. But the point is, there's these like black box security solutions aimed at the home users, but there's no actually valid like that. Yeah. If you're a home user trying to secure it, you're like winding up like at the best shot you have, oh. you're going to go get some unified gear. Like, oh, yeah. to start with. Yeah, if you're you lucky, right. You don't you won't get that at Best Buy. What you're going to get is you're going to get freaking yeah. Disney Circle. Because right. they're going exactly. to be like, oh, would you be interested in Disney Circle? Yeah, if there's one thing oh. I trust to protect my family, it's Disney. Yeah. So, and even then, it's uh, not a firewall. Like that's just like parental oh. controls. It's hold hold on. Hold. I, I've got, yeah, I've got something too that in relation to this. So, LifeLock, another news article here. LifeLock is actually getting acquired by or is acquiring Avast. So two premium security products now emerging to make <laughs> the ultimate mega super it's like transformers or uh yeah yeah you know, yeah it's it gonna is, be amazing yeah. pretty so, soon yeah. they're gonna be the next cisco oh my god really so my answer notice. to your question is john yes we have totally abandoned the like standard yeah. home user we yeah we did we totally we left them in the dust there there's nothing they can do like I, I think about what it takes and i'm just like i can't help you like we i don't have enough time to even help family and friends for the most part all i can do is say buy this okay like this is Dude, close but i'm getting right, so well, like, even when it comes to family and friends i i hate it now like like, yeah. like they'll call me up. I unfortunately had a call with a family friend the other, like this would have been last weekend, a weekend after last. And she's like, oh, my computer's been acting funny. And I'm like, over the phone, I'm like, would you describe it? She's like, well, it's acting funny. Okay, what does that mean? Well, I don't know. It's just not doing what it should be doing. And I'm like, is it riding a bicycle? And she's like, what? I'm like, never mind. Um, but it's so painful that I literally just told her, I'm like, you know what you need to do? I can't be there. I, I recommend you go to Best Buy and just have Geek Squad look at it. And she's like, but I thought you were a hacker. I'm like, I'm not yeah. that good. Tell all your friends. Tell everyone <laughs> in our family. I'm not that good of a hacker. Please, for the love of God, stop calling me for customers. I'm so bad. I yeah. am so bad. But in the same way, it's like, I think Ralph was kind of starting to go that way, too, with, like, I don't have time to set up, like, the network security for everyone in my family like I, I hardly have enough time to set up the security for my own house let alone for all of oh. my family's different networks and then do security monitoring like it's it's such a rabbit hole because you get to the point where you're like do do i really need like a sim in my house that i'm no. checking every well, night i would hope you, you, you say no you, you say no but at the same point like when you start calculating like well i do have the lab and then i do have yeah oh yeah maybe maybe right. i do but there's also things where they're constantly working against you, like constantly. 
I mean, we need to set up a webcast on how to do customer support or help family members secure their shit. But like just simple things. They're like, what should I do to secure it on my computer? Make your password long. Use a passphrase of 21 characters. Use a couple of browser plugins. Keep your antivirus up to date. By the way, don't go to like really sketch websites. What's a sketch website? When you're done reading a news article and then there's more articles below that article, <laughs> don't click those. <laughs> and, and they all like completely ignore you. And then they yeah. call you like a month later, like, well, my email's hacked. Cool. Did you set a passphrase and turn on two factor? No. What was your password? It was like puppies one, two, three. God damn it. Um, so it, <laughs> and I think that that gets to the crux of why home security is such a train wreck is because no matter how good we are technically, you're still going to have users that insist on shooting themselves in the foot all the time. Yeah, that would be a fantastic webcast. We yeah, should it would, Wispo, it would be. Wispo's recommendation is actually pay for your porn, which <laughs> I hate to say it. That's like really solid advice. Like that's some good security <laughs> advice. You know, find a website that you like. <laughs> Just go there, support them, <laughs> and the actors and the actresses, I, and so, just stick with that. You know, I mean, I'm not even much monogamous in your porn usage. I yes, guess. yeah, I, I would not to go down this road, but I just don't think that's the attack vector anymore. They don't need that, that kind of like lore. You know, you don't need those kind of lures. I mean, they're they're just like, hey, do you want this uh, free thing? You're like, oh, free? Well, yes, I would like a free yeah. iPad. Yeah, you want ten dollars? Well, you could then like give us your handprint, perhaps. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no. oh wait, no, wait, oh, that's no. not. Is that a transition to a news story? I, I mean, oh, kinda. Damn, I think it was. It wasn't. It wasn't that bad. It was good. It was good. That was, that was really solid. That was. Thank you. I've been practicing. Smooth. So set up this story for us, Noah. Oh well, I mean, this just kind of goes into the webcast we had two weeks ago, where we were talking about. I think it was two weeks ago where we were talking about Amazon getting uh, hit with a big fine from GDPR and that we were, you know, because they were just collecting data that they didn't need was, I think, more or less the premise of the fine. And then we were just I think we the conversation came up like, what kind of data is data you don't need? Well, here, let me give you an example. How about like just palm print biometrics? And then we after that talked about how people will just give away all sorts of information, like sometimes even unknowingly for just really stupid things. Like, how about your palm print, which you cannot change? That is the palm print you get for your whole life. And uh, what would be a good price for that? I mean, just just throwing it around. Like, I've kind of already said the price, but like, what would you value something like that at? I, one, I'm curious now. One candy bar. No. I, <laughs> one candy bar? One million dollars. <laughs> I, I, I just, so what are they, so what is their ultimate goal with collecting? I mean, they're evil. Okay. It's a large in the world or do I, they need more of like motivation it's like we would like to measure your head we'd like to <laughs> we'd like to study the contours of your skull and we'd like to know your race it's like ah oh, not this shit again i think it's like and tell your future it's it's just a it's just an automate like an ai yes. palm reading machine you yeah. know so they're gonna yeah. tell you your future and then sell you ads based on that <laughs> call me now for your free reading <laughs> you let me see your palm oh yes yes i see in your future great deals Shopping on Amazon Prime. No, I'm assuming this has to. I mean, I, I I didn't read all of this article, but most likely it has to do with their stores that you can like walk into. It'll just automatically charge your Amazon account. Payment. Yeah. So rather yeah. than just using NFC and tapping your phone against some machine or whatever, like now it's just going to take your palm print when you walk in, and then use do? that to charge you money. Because what could go wrong? They want to cut out the middleman and 
Yeah. We're so turning into Wally. I don't know if you remember the movie Wally, the Pixar movie. It, it, it's That's one of my favorites. It, it yes. is one of my favorites, but we're, we're not slowly becoming the society in Wally. We're quickly becoming the society in Wally. It's like, you know what? You know what? You don't like swiping your credit card. You can tap with it. You can tap with it. Oh, you don't like tapping with your credit card? How about your watch? Oh, that sucks. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We're going to RFID everything. And you can now just touch touch the door on the way out. Like, if you want someone to wipe it for you. It's just, what, where is this going? I'm pretty jaded today. I'm sorry. It's, it, it's, uh, we're, we're all there. It's, it's just a mess. But yeah, I, my, my point for this article is I value my palm print biometrics, any biometrics actually, at way more than $10. That's ridiculously low. And if anyone... <laughs> values it lower than that like call me because i need I'll, I'll give you a pep talk because you obviously need it <laughs> yeah you got self-esteem issues yeah trust really, me noah? your biometrics are worth way worth more than ten dollars no it's not i, I suck noah i'm horrible <laughs> my palm is only worth ten dollars <laughs> i'll tell enough, you anything you're smart enough and damn it your palm is worth more okay this is getting dirty it's worth at least eleven dollars <laughs> Eventually, eventually, they're just going to have uh, camera and AI feeds to just tell if you could, if you would possibly steal. Like they're like predictive. Like I predict this person could be stealing, right? And then that's how they'll stop you instead of you know just being yeah. like, oh, "Thefts down." They're I predict. Well, I don't it's think nothing. that's Amazon's thing. They're going to do predictive buying, so they'll buy things for you. Based they on go, just send, <laughs> I mean, isn't that kind of what those boxes are, where they're like, "We're going to send you ten items a month"? Like, yeah. This so if you don't know. That's They're endgame. already doing that. They are. They are. We're in endgame capitalism. Ralph is right. Yeah. It's getting to the in point the, where, yep, go ahead. In, in the stores, they are tracking people and what they buy and then associating that. And how should they know who you are? It's your Bluetooth, man. It's your Bluetooth. Oh, the um, facial yeah. recognition in Walmart yep. and all these places, mm -hmm. they can, they can yep. track that too. But like I said, we're heading quickly to end stage capitalism where you don't buy anything. It's like literally the system buys things for you. Once again, like Wally. Damn it. This is just where we're headed. Minority Report is here. I'm out of toilet paper. Amazon yeah. knew. We, and we it knew. arrived. We knew. Yeah, we could tell by the your look on your toilet, eyes that you were out of toilet, toilet told us that you needed some new toilet paper. Yeah. yeah. So it hasn't been updated in a while, and it got hacked, and now I can't flush it, man. <laughs> I'm going, I'm going, I'm going to toilet subscription, have you? Yeah, Wait, I'm going ransomware to... the smart toilet. I just thought of it. We could ransomware the smart toilet so it doesn't flush until you pay the ransom. Oh, God. Yeah, what a I'm, shitty situation. I, I, I got to be honest. When my Roomba, whenever I run out of toilet paper while I'm sitting on the toilet, and my Roomba brings up a fresh roll for me. That's end state. That's I'm Gonzo exiting at that point. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> oh, you know what's funny? What's so funny about all of this is we see that happen. It's right? coming. Like it's it's coming and it's and we're and we the people talking on this are are accepting it at the same time and also crying a little about the security of said you know ransomware toilet that i just got that i thought was super cool right and at the same time we know it's bad but we're like i don't want to have to go get the toilet paper so wally here we go jesus christ man. <laughs> but i but i think that that's the problem right is we, yeah. we somehow believe that our privacy and our security matters when at the end of the day, we're the freaking product. It, it, yeah. it's, 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 it's like we're cattle at this point. And if people are like, well, you know, my security matters, it doesn't matter to Amazon or Microsoft. You're not who they're trying to protect. You're whose data they're trying to sell. And they will put just as much effort to secure your data 
as it relies to any product that they're trying to sell. And I think that that's why we're laughing and crying at the same time, because we know where this is headed, right? Well, and I mean, the same point, too, they don't mind if, if they break a little bit of product. I mean, you can go to a retail no, store and, no, and you see like the dozen eggs that got dropped on the floor. Like nobody's crying over like, oh, my, we lost a dozen eggs. They're like, ah, go get the mop. It, Look at me as the products were now the same way. They they'll break 25 of us and they won't blink an eye at it. And look at T-Mobile, mm-hmm. right? They just lost the records of 100 million of us. And <laughs> they don't, I mean, I'm sure that they care deeply and their the customer security is paramount. And first and foremost, the safety of every, blah, 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 whatever. But yeah, the they probably the day, immediately like, went and hired three lawyers. I mean, just for this one incident did. alone. I got to see what their stock did. Well, oh, it, it probably went up. It's down 2.9% today. Um, so it's down like, what is it? Four points or something like that. That's, and that's normal. It's going to take a hit of about 5% today, probably through the rest of this week. And by the mid part of next week, it's going to be at or above, uh, where it was before the incident. That's the stock flow that happens every time organizations get compromised with customers. Now, if somebody broke in and stole a whole bunch of executive salaries, cell phone numbers, and addresses, they might take that a little bit more seriously at that point. Moving on to some more screwed. I do feel like John Oliver now. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, here we are. Hey. Sorry to bring that up. Yeah. Last last week's security today. This week's security today. Interesting. So did you guys know, have you guys used Discord before? I think, don't we have that Discord server? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I've gotten in there yet. Yeah. So if you haven't, you should check it out. And that's kind of this next article because, uh, you know, uh, 140 million people have checked it out and attackers are using that too so they're actually using it to spread malware and i think this really just comes down to big uh, big picture here that um malware is moving to where the people are and when you're on chat rooms like discord or anywhere else right you should be a little hesitant of those uh, private messages that come toward you and using it to steal accounts to do all kinds of stuff um you know i get unsolicited messages all the time for different things i'm in some crypto stuff that one's really bad sometimes um yeah. but yeah it's uh no surprise here right that discord now what i think is interesting is that discord started out for video games but i think and i'm pretty sure that some malicious groups are using discord as their like chat platform as well because you know why not it's free so didn't a terrorist group a number of years ago use the playstation network to plan and stage things you know shut it down and nobody plays playstation anymore you could just see somebody, you know, at the NSA, it's like, uh, uh, oh, God, uh, sir. Yeah, we're going to need another <laughs> server farm because phone <laughs> records and email isn't enough anymore. We got to go for PlayStation. No, yeah. I think the 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 general gist of this article is like, hey, you know, be cognizant when you're in Discord and some of these other platforms as you add to these channels and teams and that everyone out here, you know, is not necessarily in doing things in the in your best interest. Well, right. And I'm just now starting to play some like video games and stuff again because I have like time and I thought I'd give it a shot so I can play with my teenage boys so we can have something. Yeah, to you know, Discord r- rats you out. I, I see you playing yeah. all the time. I'm yeah. just watching. I'm like, oh, yeah, John's playing. Look at him. There he is. Yeah, there it is. Just totally <laughs> ratting me out. And I got started because I was using Discord for BHIS stuff. And my kids are like, uh-huh. hey, you know how to use Discord. So at any rate, but there are times like on the BHIS Discord server where people are like, hey, John, could you analyze this executable for me? I heard him talking and he's like, oh, you got a cheat pack for Minecraft. It's a jar file. Yeah, send that to me. I want to uh, take a look at it. And it's just like, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, so we've had to like go that. pull links out of the BHIS Discord before oh, yeah. because they, yeah, I mean, it's that's it's nothing new, but yeah, even even in our our security Discord, they still show up. So definitely don't Here trust we- your Minecraft chat. Here we go. That's bot army shows up. It's like you know the military showing up now. There's bot. There's like fourteen bots in some of these discords now. I know. And and you know, speaking of Discord, uh, DefCon was on Discord last year, and they were on Discord yep. this year as well, right? And like they have like twenty five bots running in there to like just keep it like sane because everybody wants to hack. You know, DefCon. I'm not sure why. We've got but, we've got yeah. an intern that's doing nothing but crazy development all the time for bots on our channel as well. It's just bot army. But yes, where the people go, so do the threat actors and the malware or any other kind of pervasive thing that we're trying to do. It's um, blood in the water. You know, there's sharks. Speaking of blood in the water, do we want to talk about Microsoft Exchange servers scanned for proxy shell vulnerability? Patch now? Uh, If if you're a company, and I'm just, just between you and me, and you're running your own Exchange server, you probably need to stop. Yeah, Microsoft don't need to just do that anymore. Do this. I think they're making these vulnerabilities up so you will move to Office 365. Call me crazy. I mean, I have nothing to prove that at all, except for all of these vulnerabilities that just won't stop. But and and it's and it is kind of coming like recently. I mean, I know that there's some vulnerabilities that were hit. I mean, we're joking. Microsoft, of course, isn't compromising their customers. They already have access. But um, <laughs> <laughs> the, thing gets, the thing that gets me about these, though, is this is going like you don't see the sharp pointy end of the spear companies whenever it comes to security running their own exchange environment anymore. I think that almost any competent IT staff, as soon as they got the opportunity to not run their email servers anymore, they jumped on that boat as quickly as they could. So this is yet another one of those vulnerabilities where a company had this stood up for them. Somebody went through and installed it and got it set up and they're not watching this like their mail shows up. That's all that they really care about. And you're really talking small and medium-sized businesses at this point, and they're not going to patch because they haven't patched anyway. So, Well, and I mean, I remember at a former job, I was talking with a vendor one time who had been sending uh, some, some phishing emails, and we, we reached out to him. We're like, hey, this, this is a problem, and we're going to block you if you don't fix it. And they're like, well, but my email server is behind my Cisco Meraki firewall, so that's safe. I'm like, first, first off, you're, you're port forwarding through your firewall Secondly, do you even know where your email server is physically located in the building? And they're like, well, I assume it's in the cloud. And I'm like, no, no, it it's is not. Cloud. It is not in the cloud. Do you even yeah. know where the cloud is? That's, that's <laughs> not good. So yeah, just the take cloud is just someone else. It's time, it's time to move on. They didn't even have an IT guy. Like, there are people with Exchange servers who don't even have IT people. Like, they got they an exist. IT guy. They do absolutely have an IT guy that they call every once in a while. And it's like, Bill, he comes out from his mom's basement. John no, Strand. Strand. He's related to the owner of the business. <laughs> I'm moonlight. He's like a hacker. It's like, I'm a hacker during the day, but at night, I do customer support. <laughs> I hate myself. I don't know. So. Wait, how did you know what I was doing in the afternoons? <laughs> Get two oh. jobs that way. Not even mad. Not even mad. A little Not even mad. Not even mad. <laughs> um, the last one I wanted to talk about this uh, James, James Walker's. The Daily Swig, Fort Swigger, Black Hat USA HTTP2 flaw allows, it exposes organization to request smuggling attacks. And this is something that Port Swigger has been talking about for a long time, the idea of, of request smuggling. Did you guys actually see this presentation? What are your thoughts on it? I, I don't 
I, I just I'm not that excited about it yet. Um, I think it's starting to be used in some attacks, but it's not hit critical mass yet. Yeah, I, I read the article. It is kind of a I don't know. I was having a hard time kind of following it as far as like how to how to really use this attack i mean all right so it's it's not that complex it's just you know like who's all going to be affected sometimes there are some of these like bigger attacks that it's it's harder to there's a lot of like kind of setup to get there right so and and this is kind of one of those scenarios and and that doesn't mean it's less of a security thing i don't think of them like that right i'm like oh this is a little bit harder or different and you know it's not going to be as good that's not the truth it's just um you know Usually, if you see a shiny object and you know how to use it right away, you're like, ooh, nice. I can see me doing this, right? This isn't one of those cases for me, personally. Well, yeah, I, I think it's definitely something to watch because I've usually found, especially in the web area, whenever people get really excited about these vulnerabilities, it's not completely yeah. weaponized yet. And it definitely... As soon as I say that... Yeah, I was soon, as soon as I say all of that, though, this thing's going to be used in some massive attack and be like, we told you guys. And yeah, like, you guys oh. I love this. You guys patch your stuff. Get a patch to these yeah. HTTP2 smuggling attacks. Just, <laughs> Just um, go, ahead and, uh, go ahead and upgrade that real quick, and we'll be good. All right, nice. Yeah, there was a lot of Black Hat stuff that came out for, like, tools and stuff, but I didn't see too many vulnerabilities. We kind of talked about it last week, too. Yeah, um, I mean, we talked like about some of the tools, and it seems like a lot of the tools were already out there. Like, yeah, a lot, of stuff was, yeah a lot of the stuff was like, oh, guess what we're going to be doing at Black Hat? We're going to give you a little bit of a taste of this, right? And then like, oh, we did it, yay. Um, I do think it's weird. I saw pictures of the vendor area at Black Hat, and it was really depressing because the vendors still showed up and spent millions of dollars on some of their displays, but nobody like, was there. The, like, hardly anyone was there. <laughs> and the girls they never came the girls <laughs> never came it just, just wasn't the thing so kind of depressing uh, but speaking yeah. of conferences Ooh. and low population wildwest hacking fest is coming up in a few weeks so pretty excited about is that. it a, is it is it a few weeks i don't even know oh yeah it's coming it's up in september yeah, Jesus. yeah. so it, it's oh. coming so you guys should all check it out if you're listening we are also doing it online virtually so you don't have to yeah. actually physically come in so and come out, we'll we'll do a meet and greet. Cool. <laughs> we can do this live. We can do this live. <laughs> uh, on stage. Anyway. People like that. On stage. Okay. Yeah. They can see be, our legs super... and they're like, wow. Oh, these yeah. Are totally cool. Do we, do we really human. want them to boo us in person though? Like, no, I, no. I, that's, yeah. The screen is really nice. <laughs> well, well, we, we did just <laughs> find out that was doing tech support at night so i think he likes punishment he's ready what, for this what's the quote from rick and morty something to the effect of your booze mean nothing to me i've seen what you cheer you know it's just <laughs> <laughs> all right well, let's great. wrap it up thank you so much for hanging out this week guys it was a nice show just all right and with that ryan take us out It's weird when Noah's here, no one else shows up. Yeah, I've also noticed that trend. Yeah, you noticed that too? All right. Yeah, there's like eight people teams that show up when I'm not around, but. Yeah, I know. And then you're just in the chat. <laughs>